0: You shall receive power. My message says you shall receive power. And I want to specifically talk about the power of connection, the power of connection. And when we talk about connection, um, I want to get right to the point today. And uh, for those that are new here, you may see a clipboard being passed where everybody's signing in and saying, hey, I'm here and just letting us know just so we can, again, another way to to know who's here and who's coming so we can pray for you and meet any needs that you have uh, to the best of our ability. So if you wouldn't mind filling that out, that would be awesome as well. But um, so I want to talk to you about the power of connection. And there is there, there's a, a, a there's a something that I want to say to you about connection, because connection equals affection. And what I don't mean an emotional affection, I, I mean, what we are connected to and who we are connected to affects everything in our lives. Okay, so it's very important that we connect with the right people and that we disconnect from the wrong ones or we connect with the right things and disconnect from the wrong things. And more importantly, most importantly, if I could say this, that when God created Adam and Eve, he he endowed them with certain gifts. He gave them the gift of authority. He gave them the gift of blessing. He gave them the gift of fellowship. He gave them the gift of wisdom. He gave them the gift of. uh, I might have already said this, but he gave them the gift of authority in the earth that let them have dominion. He gave them dominion in the earth. Uh, He gave Adam and Eve his glory and his covering so that they never felt naked or ashamed when they sinned they lost all of those gifts they lost their gift of blessing they lost their gift of authority they lost the gift of the glory of god but the most important thing that they lost was that they lost their connection with god and by losing their connection with god they lost everything and ever since then man has sought now think about this ever since and i I wrote some of these things down and i um i'm just trying to just get to the you know, cut to the chase for you. But it's probably probably be a good good thing for me to tell you these things that Adam and Eve had. They were they were given the gift of divine perspective. They saw like God saw. They were given the gift of perfect authority. They were given the gift of perfect peace. Perfect. They were given the gift of divine blessing. Now, when they when they sinned, they separated themselves from God. Their sin separated them from God because God cannot God and sin cannot cannot meet. God cannot fellowship with sin. God did something about it by sending Jesus. Come on. Can somebody say amen to that? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But sin separates man from God because in him is no darkness. God is light and in him is no darkness. So God doesn't just wink his eye at sin. He doesn't he doesn't pretend that it's not there. He does something about it. He removes it by the blood of Jesus. But it took the blood of Jesus to remove it. It took something more powerful than sin to remove sin. And the most powerful force in the universe is the blood of Jesus. And that's why he shed his blood. He died on the cross, a perfect God, perfect man, in one as the son of God and he sacrificed himself as a substitute for us. Why? To remove the very thing that separated us from God and only upon receiving Jesus Christ. Since he's the one that paid the price and became the substitute only by receiving him can you receive his blood, his mercy, his forgiveness. And that's how a person is born again or saved and uh, they accept Jesus Christ into their life. They 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 take the payment that he made as their payment, because otherwise you got to pay it yourself and you can't. Your blood is not holy. Your blood is not sinless. His blood was and is. And it's the thing that has removed sin from you the moment you accept him as your savior and Lord. Amen. There's, there's good news to that. But when man when Adam and Eve sinned and they lost their fellowship with God, everything else was lost as well. Their blessing, their glory, their authority. And isn't it interesting what man tries to do, every human being tries to do this, is they try to get every one of those things back. Every human being tries to get blessings. Every human being seeks uh, authority, power. Every human being seeks uh, all of the, the glory that 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 Adam and Eve had. But the the one true path to all of those things is connection. The power is in your connection with God. So when Adam and Eve disconnected from God, they lost everything when they were connected to God. They had everything and everything had meaning and everything had significance and everything had a reason in perspective. What what is life if you have money but have no perspective, if you have money, but you have no purpose, if you have if you have health, but you have no joy, if you have no peace. In other words, what I'm saying is, is every every blessing from heaven, every good thing that God God gave Adam and Eve can only be appreciated and only be uh, fully leveraged and, 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 and fully enjoyed when you're connected to God. And when you're disconnected from him, none of those things bring pleasure. None of those things bring joy. They may temporarily they may temporarily cover up your loneliness and cover up your depression and cover up your fear and cover up your unhappiness, but they cannot satisfy only connection with God satisfies. And, you know, it's not just getting born again. That's where it starts. But then it's it's having this closeness with God, intimacy with God. I think if you go after something this year, it should be that intimacy with God. If you want to if you want to do something different this year, draw closer. Now you say, well, isn't he in me? Doesn't he live inside of me? Doesn't he never leave me and forsake me? Yes. But it's about drawing closer in your faith. It's about believing. It's about trusting God today. It's about making the choices that honor him and glorify him. It's about spending time with him. It's about listening to his voice. Does this make sense to anybody so far? it's about receiving his love and loving him back? So but here's the thing. So man seeks all of the things that God gave Adam and Eve. But the one thing man doesn't seek is God. But, you know, the good news today is that even though none of us sought after God, he sought after us. The Bible says the Son of God, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and save us. Now, now my response is to seek him. And I'll show you what that means in a minute. But people have that misunderstood that, that somehow God is lost and God is missing and God is hiding somewhere. and We got to find him. And that's not what seeking God means at all. Seeking God is really easier than that and simpler than that and uh, more obvious than that. But but we'll get to that. The point is, is that when you when, since he came to find us, He then restores everything that we lost because it's only when you're connected, you know, think about it. What's the first thing you do when you go into a a, a coffee shop is you find the Wi-Fi connection? Right. First thing you do is find the connection. Why? Because there's power in connection. There's power in connection. There is no power if you're not connected. So you can you can try to search online for something that you're looking for all you want. But if there's if there's a if there's a disconnect between you and the Wi-Fi in that building or the Wi-Fi in your house or the Wi-Fi in your, you know, even in the church, if there's a disconnect, a disconnection in that in that coffee shop, You can search all you want. You're not going to find anything because everything is found where there's a connection. There is power in connection. And what's the first thing you do when you're not, you know, getting what you're searching for? You check the connection isn 't that the first thing you do? You check the connection, you check the connection, you check the connection. I want to encourage you today. this is your day, this is your year. Check your connection How, where, what 's your connection like with God? like where is there a breakdown there 's a breakdown in connection there 's not a breakdown in you having the money you need there 's not a breakdown in you having the peace you need there 's not a breakdown in, the, in you having the joy or the healing that you need. There is a breakdown in the connection. And when the connection is right, everything else begins to flow and you can find anything that you need. As soon as you get that Wi-Fi connection, when you're somewhere or you're searching for a hot spot and you're looking for that, as soon as you find that now, all of a sudden, everything that you're searching for can be found. But it's all because of the connection, the power is in the connection and loss is in the disconnection where there is disconnection. There will be loss where there is connection. There will be restoration where there is disconnection. There will be loss. Let me show you what I mean. Go over with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I believe it's verse 11, where he said there was a certain man who had two sons. Okay, so now we talked about lost, the lost sheep last week. We talked about the lost coin. And here's the lost son. Jesus tells three parables about things that were lost. And I believe that they all speak to our lives in a different way. And they speak about some other some specific area of our life, as well as they all speak about salvation and and Jesus coming to save people that are lost. All of us were and all of us are until Jesus saves us and we accept him. Right. But but the point is, is the lost sheep represents many people that have lost their way, they've lost their direction, they've lost their purpose. The lost coin represents people have lost their sense of value, their sense of worth. And even they've lost their finances, they've lost in business, they've lost in 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 their money situation. And Jesus wants you to. He wants to restore those things. Obviously, the bigger picture is that he's talking about salvation, but he's also talking about a thing. He's also talking about a coin. So he must place value on that or he wouldn't say it. He understands you have value and he wants you to be restored to the value that he created you with. And he wants you to be restored to the purpose that he created you for. That's what a sheep represents. Needing a shepherd, a sheep needs a shepherd. So he comes to this point where where he comes to this third parable when he talks about the two sons and the father has two sons and the younger says to his father, father, give me the portion of the goods or the inheritance that comes to me. So he divided them. He divided his livelihood among his two sons. Now, isn't it interesting? He divided it to them. So the older son got his inheritance, too, but he didn't go anywhere. The younger son got his inheritance. And what's the first thing he did? It says in verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathers everything he has journeys to a far country. And what does this say in the. um? Let's see the New American Standard translation of this verse in verse 13, he said, not many days later, the younger son gathers everything together and goes on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate on loose living. okay. Now, another translation says he wasted everything that he had. He squandered it. He lost it. He wasted it. You can you can replace that word with just about a a hundred different words to describe this loss. He lost everything. Isn't it interesting, though? the first time I saw this is he divided the inheritance among both of his sons. But it doesn't say that the older son lost anything. But the younger son did. Why did the younger son lose everything he had? Because he went to a distant country. He left his father. He disconnected from his father and from his father's house. And through disconnection, there was waste and there was want. It is when he disconnected that he lost everything. The inheritance was his. He had it. And when he was connected to his father and connected to his father's house, it was intact. But as soon as he distanced himself from his father and from his father's house, what happened? He squandered his estate. You always make bad decisions when you're not connected to God. Listen, when you don't when you're not when you don't stay close to the father, you make bad decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. He never leaves us or forsakes us. But there is something about our choice to draw close to him in our faith and to draw close to him in our mind and in our thinking and in our worship and in our focus and attention. Right. There is there is a uh, there is power in that that you can draw closer. You can stay distant. You can go distant like this son did. But when you go, he was still a son. So he's talking about saved people here. He's still a son. But he went distant from his father. And what happened? He lost everything. He wasted what he had. And then the very next verse in verse 14, we can go back to the New King James version of this. But it says when he had spent all. There arose a great famine in that land and he began to be in want. So, look, the first thing that happened when he disconnected from his father was he wasted what he had because you don't. You won't know how to use what God gives you without God. You don't know how to use what he's given you without him. You've got to be connected to him to know how to use what he's given you. It's everything is out of perspective and everything is lost in its, its its it's loses its sense of purpose when it's not connected to your relationship with God. Money's great to have. It's better to have it than to not have it. But it loses its purpose when it's not connected to God and God's purposes and what God intended it for. You know, having kids is great, but there'll be nothing but a headache if you don't understand God's got a purpose in their life and that God created you to serve them and to make their lives richer than yours and to give this world better people than yourself. Like when you understand that you you can go through and you can. And and when you remember how you grew up, you can begin to help raise your kids in a different way and in a better way than how you were raised. And the greatest thing you can give this world. As a parent, the greatest thing you can give this world is someone better than you. And you do that. By pouring into your kids. Well, that's another subject for another day. But this is what God wants to do. He wants to pour into you. He wants to not only give you your inheritance, but he wants you to stay connected to him. So you use your inheritance for the right reasons so that you use his blessings for the right purpose. Prosperity without God will be lost. Prosperity and blessing without God will be lost. As soon as this boy left his father, He wasted what he had and then he ended up in want. He ended up in want. And then what did he do? He ended up connecting to the wrong people. Verse 15. So what did he do? Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, not the country of heaven, not the citizenship of heaven, not the country that 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 the, that the fathers of our faith, the Moseses and Elijahs and the Davids, they searched for a country that was that man did not create. They searched for a country that was not ruled by a president or ruled by a king or ruled by a a prime minister, but they searched for a country uh, that, that, that whose builder and architect was God. They search for a better country, it says in Hebrews, not a physical country, but a spiritual country. And when you attach yourself to the world's country, the world's citizenship, the world's ways, the world's way of thinking. And you connect yourself and join yourself to the wrong people. All that you're going to end up doing is feeding swine. You're going to end up in the fields feeding swine without purpose, just taking care of pigs. You're living the lowest life possible. The lowest animal in the earth was considered at that time a pig. Now, for some of us, that's one of the greatest animals who loves bacon. I mean, God bless us. But it's considered the lowest creature. And now here is this son detached and disconnected from his father and from his father's house feeding and underneath the lowest creature to the point where he was eating what the pigs were eating and they weren't sharing. They weren't feeling generous very much with him. It says in verse 16, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. Let me tell you something. When you're out of the when you're out of your connection with God, you're going to be out of connection with people, too. And the Bible says God, the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. When you when you begin to tap into God's favor, you end up tapping into people's favor too. like people end up people end up opening doors for you without even knowing why people end up giving you stuff without you knowing why. But when you're when you're disconnected, you can be a child of God. But out of that sense of 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 ongoing communion with God, what ends up happening is you end up wasting what you have. You end up in want. You end up in lack. You end up feeling low about yourself and settling for the least calling and purpose that 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 that, that humanity could imagine feeding pigs and no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Now, you understand this, everything this son had when he was with his father was free. His father gave him his inheritance. What I'm trying to tell you is God's grace is free. God's gifts are free. But when you're not connected to him and his house, you waste what he's given you for free. You waste what he's done for you. You waste. You know, Jesus saved me. Jesus rescued me very powerfully from a life of loneliness and emptiness and addiction and all sorts of things. Suicidal thoughts. Jesus rescued me for from so much. But for me to accept his rescue and then live my own way, distant from God, distant from his word, distant from his way of thinking, it would be selfish and it would it would lower my impact. I want to make maximum impact. And that happens through. And I know you do, too. And that happens through that connection. That connection. You disconnect and it affects everything you connect and it affects everything. So a guy called us recently, hey, I haven't seen you guys in years, but, you know, I'm in trouble now. Could you help me? I used to go to your church. Could you at least tell the judge that I, I, I did a lot when I was there? But see, you disconnected, you disconnected. I don't know what you've been up to for the last 10 years. I can't vouch for you. I can barely vouch for you if you have been coming for 10 years, but (laughs) I'll go out on a limb and I'll try. (laughs) No, seriously, though, people disconnect and they they want the benefit of what God provides and what the church provides, but they don't stay connected. They don't get planted. They don't get rooted. And then when the when their need, the Bible says, woe to the man who falls when he's alone. He has no one to pick him up. A three strand cord is not easily broken. The new wine is in the cluster. It's in the connection, connection to God and connection to God's people. It doesn't mean that we're going to. It doesn't mean let's get our lives and get our act together so then we can go to church. It's it's let's admit we don't have it all together and go to church. It's not as soon as I get it together, I can go. Who I, I, I would have stayed home then. I would have had to stay home. If you got to get it all together before you come, I would have had to stay home, too. And I'm the pastor. (laughs) We none of us have it all together. We're all a work in progress, but there's something that happens when you come together, when you listen to the father and you connect with the father's house. Woo! Now, now, see, I, I want you to see this. It's not a coincidence. The son, while he was in the father's house, he received the inheritance when he left the father and disconnected. He wasted what he had and he was in want. And then he joined himself to the wrong. Listen, now he joined himself to the wrong people. First Corinthians 15 verse thirty three says something about this. It says bad company corrupts good morals. It's important who you connect with. It's important who you surround yourself with. It says in Mark 8:22, 22, uh, if you can, I, I believe it is. I'm just going on memory here. Mark 8:22. It says this blind man, it says they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Now, you think about what kind of quality people this these people were that they would take their blind friend to Jesus and beg him to touch him, that they cared that much. This blind man might not have been able to see, but he sure knew how to make friends and he sure knew how to pick friends and he sure knew who to surround himself with people that would take him to Jesus and beg Jesus to touch him. And sure enough, Jesus touched that man not once, but Jesus touched him twice and he was restored and saw everything clearly. And what happened? How did that miracle happen? Surrounding himself with the right people. You see, it's one thing to have a Savior and you need a Savior first, but you've got to surround yourself with the right people that'll go to the Savior for you, that will bring you to Him. What kind of friends? How about those guys that took their paralyzed friend and took him on his couch and they carried him to the house where Jesus was? And it says that they could not find a way into the house, so they went up on the roof and they broke a hole into the roof and lowered their friend and lowered their friend through the roof. Man, God, make us friends like that. God, make us into people that are those kinds of friends. I'm not asking God to give you those kinds of friends first. I'm asking God to make you that kind of friend. I'm asking God to make me that kind of friend. Because if you are that kind of friend, you'll end up with those kinds of friends and who your friends are matters and who you go to church with matters. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to have it all together. Nobody does. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be a good person just because they're under the roof of this church. But what it means is you find the people under the roof that are going in the same direction. And that will bring you to Jesus and that will beg him for you. And I'm not saying we got to beg God for anything, but you get the point, the point, the spirit of it. To have that kind of heart, this blind man might have been blind, but he knew how to pick the right associations Amen. and knew how to pick the right friends. And the son of this father, this father symbolizes obviously God as our father, and we symbolize the younger son. At times, we're like the older son. Mad when the when God blesses the guy that doesn't deserve it. How come you did all that? Did all that for him? And and I've been here all this time serving and and working and laboring in the field. And you never killed the fatted calf for me. And the father said, "My child, all that I have is yours." And he literally meant, "All that I have is yours." He literally meant. All that I have is yours. In other words, he divided his inheritance and gave half of it to the younger son and gave the other half to the older son. So no wonder when he said all that I have is yours. He meant it. All that he had was the older kids now. <laughs> well, That'll hit you maybe later. But <laughs> but. <laughs> it, it, the reason he said all that I have is yours is one, he's generous, but two, he already gave it to him. You need to know something about God. He already gave you everything you'll ever need. He already gave you the salvation. He already gave you the forgiveness. He already gave you the healing. He already gave you the blessing. All you need to do is celebrate it. He said, look at the next verse. He said, you could have had a party any time. He said, son, you're always with me. You could have we could have celebrated any time. You could have had friends any time. But this son, was it was right that we should make merry and celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. But listen, here's the here's the big picture. What this son did was he reconnected this younger son reconnected, he said back in verse 16 if if I, it says he came to his senses, right? or verse 17, wherever it is, he came to his senses. If you look in the um, it says he came to himself. If you look in the New American Standard Bible, it says he came to his senses and when he came to his senses, boy, there's something about coming to your senses. There's something about renewing your mind. You want to reconnect with you want to reconnect with 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 all that the father has for you and all that he intended for you. You've got to come to your senses. In other words, you've got to You've got to to bring your thoughts into alignment with God's way of thinking. He he starts thinking the right way. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough, more than enough. Come on, El Shaddai. Come on, Jehovah Jehovah Jireh. God is the God of more than enough. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I know what I'll do. I will arise. Look at what he says. I will arise. This is the perfect will of God. I will arise and go to my father. Listen. This is this is this. Is, you make this choice today, and your life is going to get so much better. I will arise and go to my father. When things aren't going good, I will arise and go to my father. When I'm feeling lonely, I will arise and go to my father. When I'm feeling rejected, I will arise and go to my father. When I'm feeling lost, I will arise and go to my father. When I'm feeding the pigs, I will arise and go to my father. When I can't even find a way to pay my bills, I will arise and go to my father. When I don't seem to know how to get healed, I will arise and go to my father. When it seems lonely and empty and wasted, i wasted my life and I've wasted my inheritance and I've wasted my decisions and I've made poor choices. I squandered everything I have. I will arise and go to my father. You want to know the perfect will of God. You want to be in the perfect will of God. Arise and go to your father. And the first thing he said was father, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, oh, that's all God wants. Like, as soon as he hears that, He's not listening to anything else. Oh, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And, and he practices this speech. and The father isn't even going to have anything to do with it. So what does he do? Verse 19. Look at what happens. So he does that. He says, make, just make me like one of the servants. Verse 20. So he arose and came to his father. So he he imagines it in his thinking and then he does it as a man thinks. So is he. I know what I'll do. I'll rise and go to my father. So he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a great way off, you know, that's like us. We're so off sometimes, we're still way off. But while he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran yes. Yes. and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the Bible says when it says he kissed him, it's a word that is used to describe over and over again, he kissed him again. And again, he kissed him once. He said, you're forgiven. He kissed him a second time. He said, all is restored. He kissed him a third time and says, I welcome you. Kissed him a fourth time and said, I accept you. Kissed him a fifth time and said, I don't care what you've done. Kissed him a sixth time. I don't I'm not looking at your past. Kissed him a seventh time. He kept kissing him over and over again to drive all the rejection out of him, to drive all the fear out of him, to drive all the worry out of him. It didn't matter. He didn't clean him up and then kiss him. God doesn't clean you up and then kiss you. He kisses you when you're filthy. He kisses you when you're dirty. He kisses you when you're a mess. He kisses you with all your pigs and swine trough. Self, he kisses you and hugs you and embraces you, and then he says, "Go, bring the best robe. Look at what it says." But the father said to his servants, "Bring the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet." And, and verse twenty-three, and he bring the fatted calf and let us eat and be merry. Oh man, Dairy Queen's got nothing on you. This place is the best. The father's house is the best place on Earth. Verse 24. For this son was dead and he's alive, he was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. You know why they began to be merry. They began to be happy. They began to celebrate. You know why? Because they were with the father. Connected to the father. You know, if you go back, I don't know, verse twenty one or so, you, you see, he just The father just skipped all the. He the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, verse 22. But the father said, my God, Father, I'm this. Father, I failed. Father, that. But the Father said. You know what? It's not about what you have to say. But the Father said. But Lord, I'm so unworthy. But the Father said. I don't deserve it. But the Father said. I got good news for you today. You might say, I don't know what I'm going to do. But the Father said, bring out the best rope. Oh, Father, I've sinned. i failed you. I'm not worthy. But the Father said, bring the best rope. It doesn't matter what you say anymore. First and foremost, what matters is what does the Father say? But the Father said, bring out the Best robe and put it on my son. I'm not listening to that unworthiness. I'm not listening to you. I'm not. I dismiss all your unbelief. I dismiss all your unworthiness. I dismiss all of you feeling like you have to be unworthy and be like a hired servant. No, you don't have to beg. No, you don't have to be like a servant. No, you're my son. Bring the best robe. Put it on, my son. Put a ring on his hand, is his authority. The robe is the righteousness of christ the ring is the authority that is yours in god and put sandals on his feet that's god separating you from this earth separating you from this filth separating you from this dirt he always puts something between you and this earth between you and what's going on in this world between you and the and touching this this the filth that is on this world because of adam's sin no god gives you some sandals And he celebrates you. And let me tell you something, if you want to, if you want to enjoy your relationship with God, it's time to start realizing that the father rejoices, the father celebrates, the father gives the father says, but to all of your objections and all of your unworthiness and all of your beating yourself up and dismissing yourself. And just let me let me be a servant, Lord, be a be a servant with your hands. But be a son or a daughter in your heart. My God, this is God's perfect will. I will arise and go to my father. I will arise and go to my father. And what does the father do? Not once does the father talk about his son's past. Not once does he say you can barely call you a son anymore. You wasted everything. You lost everything. Yeah, you can come back. But yeah, you already wasted it all. So you're just going to have to sit with the servants. No, bring the best robe. Don't just find any old robe. Bring the best. God wants the best for you this year. God wants the best for you today. God wants the best for you this week. That's what God's like. That's what God's like. You see, when you realize this is what God's like, this is what this is who you want to spend time with when you realize what he's like, you want to spend time with him. You don't want to spend. None of us want to spend time with mean people. None of us want to spend time with self-righteous people. None of us want to spend time with people that are looking down at us, condemning us, thinking they're better than us, even if they are our relatives. In fact, that's even worse. We don't want to spend time with relatives that are judgmental, that are condemning, that are angry, that are mad at us, that are mean, that are looking at everything we've done wrong. No. See, you don't want to spend time with somebody like that, but you do when you realize what this father is like, when you realize what our heavenly father is like. This son was going to be okay with just being a servant. But the father is so much better than what we think. The father does so much better than what we expect. He does exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think. But we got to we got to realize that all that he wants to do in our lives is found when we simply come back to connect with him and in his house. What did Jesus say? I had to be in my father's house. I had to be in my father's house when he was 12 years old. He said, I had to be in my father's house. They were looking for him. Where is he? They found him back in the temple, asking questions and learning and and speaking marvelous things. And he said, I had to be in my father's house. He found his destiny in his father's house. If Jesus found his destiny in his father's house. How much more should we be in our father's house? That's being connected. It's being connected. It means like it says in this verse, I I think it's Isaiah 65. I got it marked in my Bible, Isaiah 65, verse eight. And he says, for thus says the Lord, the new wine is found in the cluster and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it. So I will do for my servant's sake and not destroy them. He said the blessing is in the cluster. The blessing is in the cluster. The church is a cluster. He said in 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 John 15 verse. Verse seven, verse six, in John 15, verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cut he withers, they gather them, throw them into the fire, he said, verse seven. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Listen, you want to know what it means to be connected to the father? It means this abide in him and let his words abide in you. And what does it mean to abide in him? It means to know who you are in Christ. It means to know that you are in him. It means to find your identity in him and in the vine and be realizing we're all branches of the same vine and we're supposed to be connected to the cluster of grapes that God has put us with in a church family so that the blessing flows through the cluster, the anointing flows through the cluster, the wine flows through the cluster. And he said, and you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is abiding in him. It's realizing that everything we have is in him and we let his words abide in us. Let his words take up permanent residency is what this word abide means to take up permanent residency. God's word is not just visiting me. God's word is not just stay in God's word is not just having a vacation in me. God's word is taking up permanent residency in me. I'm not letting his word just go in one ear and out the other. I bet, man, if you're here today, you better take this. You should take this as a word from God. Don't let up. Don't be a person that just lets the word of God temporarily reside in you like somebody that temporarily stays in a hotel. No, it means to take up permanent residency. I want to encourage you to let God's word take up permanent residency in your thinking, take up permanent permanent residency in your mind, take a permanent residency in your heart. And when you do that, that's abiding in him and his word abiding in you. And you shall ask whatever you wish. This is divine prosperity, man, to be able to ask whatever you wish and have it done. He said, now, you won't be asking crazy stuff. You won't be asking for uh, uh, um, sinful things because there's enough good to fill your heart up and there's enough good promises from God that you don't need to ever counterfeit that with something sinful, because God has the original thing that is not sinful, the blessing, the wisdom, the favor, the love, the 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 honor, the promotion, the health and healing, the the purpose, the sense of reason and significance and value and worth that you have. Oh, beloved, we could just go all day. But you know what? The game is coming on in three hours. And I know you got to get ready. And I know you got to get ready for it. Get your wings cooking and You want to know how to connect with God. Hebrews 11, verse one, he says, by, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it. The men of old gained approval. The, the Bible says they obtained a good testimony by faith. They obtained approval by faith. They believed God by faith. Verse three says, for by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, but things which are not seen. Verse 4, he goes on to say, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying as his gifts, and through it being he being dead still speaks. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse six, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, here's how to be close. Here's how to be intimate with God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Seeking him means putting your eyes on him seeing what he sees, listening to his voice. My friends, if you will listen to God, if you will make this your priority th- today, listening to the voice of God, that's what it means to seek him, listening to what God says about you, what God says about himself, what God says about your purpose, what God says about your future. That's listening to God. That's diligently seeking him. It means that you're not looking at or focused on what anything. Anybody else says you are focused on what God says. it's a it's a life of faith it's a celebration of faith it's being it's connecting to god is is connecting to him by believing what he says believing that he is that he is what that he is everything he said he is believe that he is and that he's a rewarder he's a rewarder he's a rewarder listen that means he's not a punisher He's not going to get you because you failed or get you because you blew it or get you because you had a bad thought. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder, not a punisher. He's a blesser, not a cursor. He's a giver, not a taker. He wants you to see him the right way. Diligently see him the way he really is. Diligently see him for who he really is. And you are truly then seeking him and drawing close to him.